So today, I have just a story I found in the Bible. I love stories in the Bible. You know, when I got saved, I read the Bible for the Jesus stories. Everywhere that was read, I went and found it, and I read it. And those stories were literally where Jesus is talking. You know, so when Jesus is talking, that means it became more real to me. It was important, and I was like, I, it's in red. You can't miss it. So whoever, you know, when you're reading the Bible, the red stuff is where Jesus is talking to you. So, so go with me to Luke 19. So verse 1, it says, this first verse is very different. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus had to go through Jericho. You see, Jesus was going to Passover where he was going to die. He was going to get crucified. He was going to lay down his life for each and every one of us. And on that way, he went into Jericho. Now, Jericho was a place, the name Jericho basically means a place of fragrance in the Hebrew. You see, that they were famous for all the fragrances they made and everything. So, but Jesus had a plan why he was going into Jericho. He was going into Jericho to meet a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector of the place. Okay, so in the olden days, the Romans had taxes, and then it was given to the tax collectors, and they could charge you above that, and all the profit they made of that, they could put in their pockets. So, you know, when you ask greedy people to become more greedy, they do whatever they have. So if it was 10% tax, they were charging you 20% or more. Okay, so this is what the, basically the reason it was. If you go back to Luke 18, verse 11 and 12, there's this story Jesus tells you in a chapter before this, where two men are praying in the temple. One's the Sadducee or Pharisee, whoever. And the second one is a tax collector. And the guy is making a prayer, and the Pharisee stood and began praying to himself, which is more funny. He began praying to himself. <laughs> this is what's in the Bible. I didn't write that or whatever. He prayed to himself in a self-righteous way, saying, God, I thank you that I'm not like the rest of men, swindlers, unjust, dishonest, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. In the same room, Praying to God, he was judging the other person. Sometimes this is what happens in church. I'm being very honest to you. Some people think they're better than the other person. They say, hey, I'm so good, but I know all the flaws of this person, and this is where we are. This is the hurt that some people get when they come under a religious system, a religious tradition. You know, when we're singing the song, hey, we've got destroy all the tradition, all the religion. A lot of people have got hurt in church because of this. Because a self-righteous manner of people who have basically come in and said, oh, I'm so good, but mm, I'm not sure about you. I'm not sure about your upbringing. I'm not sure about your choices that you're making, but I'm good. Lord, look at me. But that's a self-righteous prayer. Okay, so go back now to Luke 19. The name Zacchaeus means pure and innocent. I want you to start your life at that point. The, your name is pure and innocent. When you were born, you were pure and innocent. You had no 
conniving nature. You had no greed. You had no sin. You had nothing. Okay? You basically were pure and you were innocent. How many of you will agree to that? Were you? Yeah? Yes? No? Who doesn't? Okay. So that it's important for you to know what's your origin. You're pure and innocent. And as we went on with life, we took on things. This guy became a tax collector. We took on other things that we did, which basically took us away from that point of origin of who we were, pure and innocent. It added a little more gray. It added a little more dirt. It added a little more sin into our lives. Okay? So this is the important part of it. Zacchaeus started pure and he now is the chief tax collector. The biggest sinner, if you had to think in the terms of the Pharisee, that he was the greatest sinner. Now, why would somebody like Zacchaeus try to come and find Jesus or go to look for Jesus? There's another tax collector who wrote the first gospel, is the gospel of Matthew. And Matthew basically was a tax collector. Somewhere in that must have transpired and said, hey, there's that tax collector. Remember, he follows this guy, Jesus. So sometimes your friends invite you to come meet this Jesus or, hey, there was this man, he got saved, he got healed, he got this thing. And there's an invitation given to you to come and see this Jesus because this is what he did to a man named Matthew, who was a tax collector. Possibly this tax collector, I didn't research that, but possibly Matthew was under him. He knew him personally or something. Hey, you know, birds of a feather flock together. So tax collectors, hey, we are, you know, we're eating well today, you know, that kind of deal. So, so to me, in my head, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, Jesus, in his heart, he's thinking of the whole world because he's going to the cross. He's focused. He has to go through this little town. But he's not lost focus of that. In the moving to the bigger picture, he forgot somebody small in this town. This is Jesus to you. He was carrying the burden of humanity from all the years. And he still went through this town to meet this one person named Zacchaeus. Just to restore him back to the place where he was pure and innocent. Okay? This is pre before the cross. You see? And I want you to know this because it's, it's kind of interesting. We tell stories or we read stories. This is the only time in the whole gospel, all the gospels, that this story is mentioned. Luke 19. You can go look it up. And I always wonder, I pick up these random stories. I don't know why. Okay, I have a, I think, a knack for it, I guess. Because I try to find these one-one stories which no other gospels have. You know, because if it's common, it's, yeah, everybody knows it. But sometimes, like, I, I was at uh, breakfast the other day with friends, and they asked me, what are you going to preach on? I said, uh, Luke 19 and Zacchaeus. They're like, we never heard of him. Wow, wow. Yeah. And, and so nobody heard of Zacchaeus. So if you didn't hear the story of Zacchaeus, this is the story of Zacchaeus. Okay. So verse 3. Okay, Zacchaeus was eager to see Jesus. Okay. How many of you are eager to see Jesus? There is an invitation for you that you are able to see Jesus. He wants you to see him. It's not difficult. You cannot attain it with your mind. You cannot attain it by all your kneeling downs, all your everything. It's a very simple invitation. 
A few months ago, man, a preacher basically said, hey, Jesus is coming to meet you in your house. And I took it and I said, yes, he is. It was like a word that suddenly felt so real that I literally went back home and I wrote the date down. I said, Jesus is coming to meet me. Nothing else. I didn't care what, you know, we, we are like, what is he going to bring for me? What is he going to do for me? I didn't care. I was just happy that he was coming to meet with me in my house. That's all. For us, the whole thing, this whole world, everything when it ends will be, hey, are we one with Jesus? Are we going with Jesus? Are we going to stay with Jesus? Are we going to live with Jesus? Are we going to love with Jesus? You know, and the, all that we're doing right now is that same practice. You're practicing for where you are going. This is where we are going. We're going to heaven to meet with Jesus and live with Jesus and enjoy him more. But he wants you to see him. You see, when the virgins came with the lamps and they had oil in the lamps, and some of them didn't have, the reason why, because they had to first hear the voice of Jesus, so they had to know the bridegroom's voice. But then they needed the lamb to even look at him. And so Zacchaeus kept trying to look to find Jesus. You know, in our pursuit, we basically start getting so caught up even when we get saved that we forget the whole thing is we have to find Jesus. We get to start doing the rituals. You start doing the stuff which you never look for Jesus. You start reading the Bible and you're really not looking for Jesus. The Bible is all about Jesus. The whole reason why we're reading the Bible is to find who he is. That's why I find stories like these where Jesus is present more than all the laws and everything I can understand. And he is in the laws also. But it's like, you know, it come, it's simpler for me to understand. Okay. For me, it's like when it gets too complicated, you write more than 20 lines. I'm not reading all that. Okay. For all your people on Facebook, if you write more than three lines, I'm not reading you. So this is my, my honest confession. So make that like Twitter feed kind of, you know, and keep it short. Give me 140 words and we're good. That's all I can comprehend for a moment. You know, so is that for me? So Zacchaeus runs ahead of everybody. Okay, an unsaved man is running ahead of all the followers of Jesus, saved or unsaved. There are coming people in this church. There are coming people to church, the global church, who will start running ahead of you. If you basically slack off and you basically stop looking for Jesus and seeing Jesus' face, there are coming people who will run ahead of you and will position themselves better than you, and they will meet Jesus. Not that you're going to miss out on it, but you have to run. There's coming a time. You have to basically wake yourself up. This morning is a good wake-up time. With this cool, sleepy weather, you have to wake yourself up and say, hey, I need to go look for Jesus. In this whole thing, you're basically invited to that place of, hey, is it still burning in me? Am I still loving Jesus? Or I'm happy sitting on my couch at home and saying, I'll go to church on Sunday. Daily we seek Him. Daily we hear from Him. Daily we seek His face. Zacchaeus reminds me of myself. That's why I think I picked this story and it became more real to me. When I, I grew up Catholic. Growing up Catholic, I went to a Catholic camp where they started talking about the Holy Spirit, where I had to give my life for the first time to Jesus. I was 
sprinkle baptized and everything. I went over there and just wept my heart out. I wrote a book of all my sins. It took me three days to go for confession. That's how God was really working on my heart. I hid away under a tree, wrote for three days, and this guy comes in. He was a cardinal from Rome, which was more funnier. He was the treasurer of Rome, of the Vatican. And he was taking my confession, which I thought was, oh, wow, what are you going to do? So he asked me, do you really, are you repentant of all this? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, go, your sins are forgiven. And he gave me, you know, these prayers to pray. But God started over there. And every time there was like, you know, healings, meetings and all where the words of knowledge were given, my heart would like warm up. My heart would basically become like, hey, I want this, I want this, you know. And I never knew why. Nobody explained to me. We had just started reading the Bible. You know, when I read the Bible, I really read the Bible because Philippians 4.13 was on the back of a Fiji rugby team. And they ended up beating Australia, okay, in a World Cup where they were the underdogs. And I said, because it said, at first half, I looked at the back and I went to find my Bible. Sadly, my Bible had termites in it. That's how much I used my Bible. Okay, I had termites in it. This is the state of the church. I'm telling you, there are people who don't even open the Bibles. They're gifted Bibles and all that, and they don't even open the Bible. My Bible with termites basically said, I can, I can do all, no, it's 4.13. It's the, I, I, yeah, 4.13. And it said that they were basically could do all things. I was like, okay, I got to see this match now. So second half, I stopped studying. I was in my exam term right where I was studying. And these guys won, okay, and beat Australia. So I called all my friends, Hindu, Muslim, didn't matter what. I said, that verse is working for that Fiji team. It will work for us. You know why? Because during our midterms, our verse was, knowing is half the battle won. Do you know what the, where it came from? G.I. Joe. Yeah. Knowing is half the battle won. That, that, hey, we had life verses, okay? We were good about it. Knowing is half the battle won. What our knowing was was not about anything. Our knowing was what chapters are there in the book. That's what we were trying to know because we didn't know anything else in that. At least figure out which chapter. And then if they said, oh, talk about soap, organic chemistry or whatever, talk about soap or inorganic, talk about soap. And we wrote a whole thesis on that. And there was nothing from the book, but we made it up. We basically made stuff up and we were good at it. So we had to at least know what the chapters were to write stuff about. But from there, God took me to Kuwait. Okay, you got to understand, I had two degrees, went to Kuwait. They had promised me a job, and I never got that final signature from the guy who was supposed to sign my papers. I turned out to become an illegal immigrant in Kuwait with two degrees, and I had no idea what to do. I was stuck in Kuwait. If I there was a period of amnesty where I left my house and I got to the airport. I was safe, but in between, if they stopped me, they could shoot me. That was it. Now, in midst of that, I go to church with my mom and all, who are still like they're, they're in the evangelical church, and like, you know, so they have already transitioned from being Catholic to the born again and everything. And so I'm going with them just because I have nothing else to do. It's pretty boring in Kuwait, right? In that hot weather, there's nothing else to do. And so I'm standing like in the car, the, the military really comes and stops us, asks us for our civil IDs, which is like your driver's license and all. 
and all of them give the civil ID and I don't have anything, so I'm just sitting and I'm trying to run. My mom is saying, if you run, they're going to shoot you. Okay, so sit over there. And like, I was suddenly made invisible. That, in that moment, and this is daytime, or not even in the night, I was suddenly made invisible. They didn't even ask for my paperwork, and I went on. That confidence I had that God was hiding me, and I could go to church. You see, when you're thinking about, hey, should I go to church or something, in the midst of all that, God's heart was, I can even hide you from all the authorities, all the people who mean harm for you, and bring you to church. Because that's where he wants to meet with you. So you have to understand that. As I went to church, now I'm going for day and night service. I'm going from Korean to Spanish to you name it. Every language, every church, I'm going to every service. When people tell me they're really searching after God and they're running after God, I always wonder, because what other services have you gone to? What else have you done? Where have you really gone and searched? You see, we call it a seeker, right? Zacchaeus was a true seeker. I had that. I didn't understand that, that why I was seeking, because I knew there was something missing in my life. I had to basically come back and say, hey, like, you know, so, so to me, that was it. I, I used to go for Filipino services. I knew more Tagalog people, speaking people before I came to Epicenter. Like, and they were some of the best guitarists. Everybody had a guitar. Every Filipino had a guitar. It was like the guitar shop guy was also Filipino and he was giving the gospel in Kuwait. When people came to buy a guitar, he would give them the gospel over there, play beautiful music. They didn't know what they were listening to. He could play Amazing Grace and they would all be there, but they just were there. That's how it was. But we basically lived with that kind of thing. Is like, I think we had thrown all cares to, you know, and we had just said, okay, we're moving on. So there came one night a man from Kerala. He spoke Malayalam. Okay, I don't know, head nor tail of Malayalam. Malayalam backwards and forwards is still Malayalam, right? If you don't know, go look it up. But it basically is, I forgot what they call that. If you, you know, you go this way and then, what? Palindrome. Thank you, Paul. Paul of the palindrome. <laughs> so so to, me, to me, it's like the guy comes and gives, he says, God wants to use you. Okay, here I am, I have no purpose in life. My degrees are useless. I have no money. I have nothing. And this man is telling me that God wants to use you. And he wants to use you as a chalice. Now, you've got to understand, as a Catholic, the chalice is very important. You put the wine in it, and you, like, you know, during service, they lift it up, the body's broken, and then you drink of the wine. You know, and the chalice is what the cup is. To, in my heart, when God, if you want to make me a chalice, that means your lips will be on me. That's it. I didn't care about anything else. That night was my night of decision. You see, Zacchaeus ran after Jesus, climbed the tree, waited for Jesus, and then Jesus came and stood right under the tree at that time and a moment and looked up to Zacchaeus and said, come down, I want to go to your house. This is, that was my night of decision, where basically Jesus came, stopped over there, spoke to Mal in Malayalam to me, and I understood through a translator, and he said, hey, I want to use you. And that whole night, I was on my knees, wondering what I should do. That was my night of decision. 
I had to basically sit there. I had to think. I had to say, okay, God, my life is useless anyways. I have no idea what to do, but okay. So that night I made a decision that I was going to accept Jesus. Okay. So to me, in my heart, there were multiple times I received Jesus, but then I went back to my old lifestyle. I didn't know the true meaning. But that day was the day where it set apart everything. And that day was when I accepted Jesus. So as Zacchaeus of that day, I basically stood and I just looked at Jesus and he met me face to face. Three times I heard the voice of God. The first time was in the voice of my dad. He said, Grace. My mom's name is Grace. And I was like, why is my dad calling my mom's name? Because she's in the same bedroom with him. Second time, I, I, I went and knocked the door. I said, no, we didn't call you. Second time, basically, again, I heard the name Grace. And I was like, okay, now what? Like, you know, so I went back again. And then I realized that the third time, I didn't need a third time. Because I remembered Samuel in the Bible. That God called him three times. And I didn't need a third time. That day basically was set in my heart. And the second time I said, God, I owe you, you know, the grace. He gave me grace to go through that time. Grace has always been on my life. Favor has always been on my life. The same way to see you. Go back to, I'm getting to a place. Because you, you all can come up. Go to verse 5 and verse 6 if you can. When Jesus got to the place, he looked up into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, hurry on down. I am appointed to stay at your house today. Or he says, I want to stay in your house. From the beginning of service to, the, you know, to everything, there have been multiple altar calls given to you all today. The Jesus who died on the cross for you basically... Jen said it, Janine said it, Vasilina said it. He wants you to basically come and meet with him. He asks Zacchaeus, hey, hurry on down. Right now is an altar call for you. Hurry on down. This is where he's going to meet with you. Because he says that when Zacchaeus hurried down, he met Jesus face to face. There are two parts of what I'm going to do right now. First is an altar call. If you have never received Jesus as your personal savior, I want you to come down. This is an invitation to you for the very first time. Doesn't matter what you went through. Doesn't matter how bad you thought. You know, we, we, I wrote this. It says, God helps those who help themselves. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. We, t we, we put that as a band-aid or whatever. I don't know why we put it to get people to help themselves so that they do something and, you know, just don't rely on God. My God is saying, hey, I want you to rely on me. I want you to lean on me. When you cannot do stuff for yourself, I know that I can do it for you, but I want you to trust in me. This morning is the call to you. Come down. This same Jesus who met Zacchaeus and went to his house and ate with him, where Zacchaeus made restitution, he gave up half his wealth, and then he said, whoever I cheated, I will make restitution for them even four times. Like how David had to had said that he wanted to do fourfold restitution when he had killed basically Uriah the Hittite. And Nathan had basically, you know, come and told him, he's like, hey, you are the man. You are the man who has wronged. So right now, I don't, I'm inviting you 
every person in this row, every person in this side, every person here, every person on my right, I'm inviting you to come meet with Jesus. He wants to meet with you. Jesus, who died on you on the cross, had you on his mind before even you came to this place. He wants to come see you face to face. So, I have no other words to say, but come on down. Hurry on down. This is where Jesus is, and he wants to meet with you. Is there anyone in this place who wants to come and receive Jesus? Ask your neighbor, do you, would you like to? I'm asking. Would you? Would you, sir? Would you? Come on. Come on. 